Thank you very much, Ruth Ann. I trust you pay attention to words as we sing. You listen to the words of the song Ruth Ann sang, the fact that Christ came and we can be reconciled to God, the words, His mercy is more. I have often whined to God. No, Lord, maybe I ought to be more emotional sometimes. I am who I am, and I do display emotion. But as we were singing, his mercy is more than listening to Ruth Ann sing. I just felt like I could cry with joy, reflect upon Christ's coming, the mercy, the grace that have been extended to us in Christ. Two weeks ago, we discussed... Christ being Savior, coming as Savior of the world. Last week we looked at what we have in Christ in Romans 6. This morning we want to look at another passage of what we have in Christ, and then, Lord willing, next week go back to 1 Peter. But as we think about Christmas, we think about ending the year and beginning a new year, a reminder of the Savior we have in Christ and also the life that we have in Him. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful. We can call you Father. Grateful for the fact that we have life in Christ. Grateful for the grace and mercy you've extended to us. Grateful that we can worship you. As we consider a portion of your word this morning... We again want to hear, we want to understand, we want to apply in our daily lives. That is, apply all that we have in Christ. It's in Christ's name I pray. Pray, amen. The Christian community in the United States many times tells us to buy, to add, to try. Here's another book. Here's another DVD. Attend this concert. Look at this website. How about trying that program? Look at what we have to offer in terms of what is done in California and now applied in Pennsylvania. Here's a new music style. Here's another study Bible. This will get you going, get you out of the rut where you are. Attend this seminar. How about that blog? Good items. I'm not knocking them in any way, shape, or form. But if we're not careful, we miss Christ. We try, we listen, we read, we attend. All good items but miss Christ and Christ alone. Colossians says, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Is Christ sufficient for you, for me, to live godly, holy in our daily living? Colossians also says, you've been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. Allowing that to be reflected in our daily lives.
Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Colossians. We'll be considering a number of verses from the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians focuses on Christ, Christ alone. And the reason Paul focuses so strongly on Christ in Colossians is because of false teaching that was being present among the Colossians. The Colossians would have been facing some false teaching that said Christ is one among many or a number. There would have been some worship of angels. So Christ, along with angels and other beings, you use him as one of many to relate to God. It would have been the teaching of mediation through supernatural powers. There is also an emphasis being placed on ritual, physical circumcision. Emphasis placed on dietary laws, you know, what you eat. Observance of certain holy days. They also would have been, to some extent, a teaching that the body is evil. So treated as an enemy, talking the physical body. And it's in that context Paul writes to focus on Christ. And in Colossians 1 and 2, he would emphasize very strongly being in Christ. And then in Colossians 3 and 4, living out in day-by-day life, obedience. In Colossians chapter 1, He gives thanks for the believers in Colossae in verses 3 through 8. He's thankful for their faith, their hope, and their love. In Colossians 1, 9 through 14, he prays for the church in Colossae. And I'll begin reading with verse 9. For this reason, in light of the fact that they were walking with God, there was growth and faith, hope and love. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, We have not stopped praying for you. Notice he says, I've not stopped praying for you. You will find as you read the epistles that leaders praying for their sheep, their followers, comes through time and time again as being of primary importance. Praying for you Asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And that seems to be just knowing how to live in day-by-day life and walking with God. In verse 10, and we pray this. Why? In order that you might live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, being fruitful in every good work. Just a comment, being fruitful in every good work. As you read through the epistle of Colossians, he's talking about day-by-day living, relationships on the job, at home, in school. It's day-by-day life. You might be fruitful in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. That is God's glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Giving thanks to God, he's qualified us. Ties in with his mercy is more. Qualified us to share in the inheritance, something that's coming for believers, the Colossians and believers today. 
And then he says in verse 13, For he, God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He rescued us. He rescued the Colossians, believers down through church history, rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. The idea of rescuing is liberating. In some of the history books that I've read on various wars, but I think particularly of World War II, as one country after another was liberated, God rescues from what? The dominion, dominion as you look at the term used elsewhere in Colossians, would be referring to Satan and his demonic forces. Liberated from the dominion of darkness, falsehood, sin, ignorance, and brought into the kingdom of the Son he loves. And to be brought into is the idea of being transferred from one country to another. He, God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Transferred, if you please, from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son that God loves in Christ. A transfer has taken place. A rescuing has taken place. A liberation has taken place. And then he goes on in verse 14, In whom? In Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And the idea of redemption is the buying out. Being bought out from what? Sin, separation from God. Forgiveness. God letting go of our sin, not holding them against us. The penalty having been paid in Christ. In light of the liberation, the transfer in Christ, there is redemption. We don't have to be slaves to sin. We're tempted. The Colossians did not have to give in to the false teaching that was present. Forgiveness. Not dwelling on sin. Not carrying it around. Letting it go. Over and over again as I've Shepherd and pastored people. I've heard. Well, I remember. I dwell on. And then they list sins. In Christ, they're forgiven. Because there's been a transfer, if you please, from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of light. Reconciliation, or I'm sorry, redemption and forgiveness. In verses 15 through 20, he talks about Christ being the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, and the fact that Christ was involved in creation. Look at verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation 
if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So he writes to these people who have lived or had lived, alienated from God, separated from God. He says, you've been reconciled. Restored to favor. You have a relationship with God. Going to be presented to God holy, blameless, without fault. That reconciliation being restored to favor he says, is by Christ's physical body. The cross. The resurrection. Through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. He says to the Colossians, he says to believers down through church history, to believers today, it's in Christ you're reconciled, you're restored to favor, and you're going to be presented to God holy. Without blemish, free from accusation. And sometimes believers will step back mentally and say, but I know myself. It's not dependent upon you, it's dependent upon Christ and what he has done. In Christ, Redemption, being presented holy, without blemish, free from accusation. And then he says, if you continue in the faith. Well, I came to faith faith in Christ, I just sit back and coast along. He also talks about continuing in the faith, living in responsiveness to God. In verses 24, through the end of the chapter, Paul talks about his labor for the believers in Colossae and his labor for those that also were in Laodicea. And in verse 27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now remember, as we discussed two weeks weeks ago, Christ came, first of all, to the Jews. And then the Gentiles are grafted in. Make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery that Christ can be in the Gentiles, the hope of glory. In Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Again, it's done in Christ. In verse 28, he talks about the fact that he proclaims Christ, admonishing and teaching with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect, mature, complete in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Indicative of verse 28, that walking with God, whether it be for Paul or the Colossians or believers down through the church ages, or church age rather, or believers today, it involves a battle. Admonishing, teaching, so that we may present everyone perfect. To this end, I labor. In chapter 2, 1 through 6, he again talks about 
Christ. He talks about his struggle as he seeks to minister to the people in Laodicea as well as to the believers in Colossae. And notice what he says in verse 2. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in Christ, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Sometimes we go to Matthew chapter 22, and people will say, No, love God. And love your neighbor. Yes. That's tied in with the Mosaic law. But Christ came after. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians. You have these supernatural beings that you say you need to go through to get to God. You're hearing that teaching. You talk about dietary laws. You talk about circumcision. You talk about observing holy days. The body is evil. Paul says, stop, think, understand. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He goes on in verses 6 through 15. And again talks about being in Christ. Verses 6 and 7 talks about uh, receiving Christ. So continue in him. Walking with God, walking with Christ is not at any point in time, but it's a lifestyle. Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thanksgiving. The idea of being rooted and being built up or in the tense that implies that it's already done. You're rooted and you have been built up. Yield to that in day-by-day living. In verse 8, don't be taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. Verses 9 and 10, in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And you've been given fullness in Christ, who's the head of every power and authority. Power and authority ties in with the dark world of demons. But we have been given fullness in Christ. Fullness of deity dwells in Christ. Believers, Colossians, down through church history, believers today been given fullness in Christ. Done. Completed. It's true. In verse 11, in him you also, or you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, 
and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. In Christ, in him. Talks about circumcision. He says it's not a physical circumcision. But physical circumcision is being used as an illustration. But he says it's circumcision done by Christ. Being raised with Christ. And the idea is that the putting off of the sin nature in the sense that there is victory over it in Christ. Done. Completed. We respond. In verse 13, we won't read that, but we're made alive with Christ. In verse 15, we find that Satan or the powers and authorities have been disarmed. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In verse 20, died with Christ to the basic principles of the world. Chapter 3 and verse 3, your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Writing to a people who are facing false teaching, Paul says, Christ, in Christ, by Christ. Because it's when Christ, who is your life, appears, then will you also appear with him in glory. Colossians, it's Christ. Saints down through church history, it's Christ. Believers today, it's Christ. Christ alone is sufficient for a relationship with God. Relationships with the body of Christ and daily living in our world. We have what we need in Christ. And I would ask a very simple, but I think profound question. Are you in Christ? Have you come to faith in Christ? If not, why not today? So in light of what we have discussed this morning briefly, only Christ alone has provided all the resources believers need for living holy, fruitful, transforming, contented lives in the body of Christ and in the world system. It's not our trying, but our relying. We respond to being in Christ. Christ alone involves the person of Christ and the body of Christ. They're a unit. You can't have Christ without experiencing his body. To live independent of a local body of believers is to live independent of Christ. We have the head, we have the body. They're needed. Christ alone means resting, not trying, as we live 24-7. We respond to rest that we have in Christ with obedience. Now look at chapter 3 and verse 5. In light of all that Paul is discussing in chapter 1, chapter 2, and the first four verses of chapter 3, 
How do you rest? He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And he says, you used to walk in those ways. And then he goes on to say, deal with anger, rage, malice, anger, filthy language, and so on. In Christ, the resources have been given for the Colossians, for saints down through the church history, and for us today, to put off. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. He talks about the put off and he talks about the put on. And sometimes we say, I can't. In and of ourselves, we can't. In Christ, we can. This week, I said to Ruth Ann at least once, <clears throat> but I was in my mind fairly often. I said, Lord, <clears throat> Is my battle with certain thoughts going to ever end? I'm tired of it. I can't handle it. It's like God said, I know, Dan, your battle is going to go on, if not in that area, other areas. And I know you can't. But in Christ, you have been transformed from the kingdom of darkness or from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of light. In Christ, you have redemption. In Christ, you have forgiveness. In Christ, you've been reconciled. In Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ, you've been rooted. In Christ, you've been filled full. Okay, Lord, I'll respond. So that's the nuts and bolts of godly living in Christ. It's what he has done where we put off and we put on. And as we were reading Luke chapter 17 this morning, if a person comes back to you and says seven times in the same day, forgive me. Forgive him. The thought went through my mind. I thought, wow, seven times in the same day. Can't handle that. The Lord says, I know you can't, but I can. Because I've forgiven you in Christ. And in Christ, you've been rooted, you've been built up. You can forgive. See, the Christian life is supernatural. It's not what we can handle. It's what God has called us to. And in Christ, he gives the resources we need to live in sensitivity and obedience.
to him. And we respond to that in day by day living. It's a walk. It's a journey, if you please, where we respond to being in Christ day by day. Not a life of just sitting back and saying, I'll coast. Putting off, putting on, wife submitting, husbands loving, children obeying, fathers not embittering their children, slaves, if you please, employees, obeying their masters and masters, employers, you know, providing for their slaves or employees. Day by day, Christ alone. At the beginning of 2020, Last week at the end of 2019, we need reminded again and again that Christ alone brings a relationship with God, contentment, transformation. It's walking with him day by day. Think about a father and mother saying to their son, son, you have turned 21 You've been respectful and obedient to us. And we know that because you're in college, you're struggling some financially. And we know the set of wheels that you currently have is not real good. Would you please come out to the garage with us? And as the son comes into the garage, there's a brand new vehicle, one that he desired. And mom and dad say, here's the new vehicle, here are the keys, here's the title, here's a gas card that is perpetual. When you're 80, if you're still driving, funds will be there to take care of it. Your insurance is paid for life. We will make sure it's paid for life. Even if we're not here, there's enough. A couple weeks later, The kid's friend sees him and says, why are you still driving that old car? Didn't your parents give you a new car with unlimited gas? And you were asking me the other day for some gas money. Well, I just just leave that car sitting in the garage and just want to keep it nice. Six months later, he's seen again. Why aren't you using the car? Well, I'm not sure I should drive it. I'm just not... Not ready to. And finally, a couple of his friends say, are you crazy? You stupid? What's wrong with you? You got a new car, insurance paid, gas for the duration of the car. What else do you want? God, in essence, says, I've given you everything you need in Christ. Colossians, Saints down through church history. Saints today. Now, if you please, get in the car and enjoy it. Done in Christ. Complete in Christ.
So we live in a broken, fallen world among brokenness in Christ. It's done. We respond, we put off, we put on day by day. So if you please enjoy the car. Live in sensitivity to Christ. We'll pray together and then I'll explain my illustration in just a moment. And then we'll close. Father, we thank you for being in Christ. Thank you that in Christ, work has been completed. And we respond to that. We live in obedience. We live in sensitivity. In 2020, may we grow in our understanding of being in Christ the message that we have to share with others in our world of influence. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.